Do you hear that sound? That <laughs> is not the sound of the waves crashing against the bay. But also not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. Did you like those wave sounds? I mean, I can only hear part of them because Discord kept clipping, uh, but they sounded like they were very intense, so I look forward to hearing them in the edit. Oh, wow. I'm I'm. I'm so happy for your future years. Me too. Not your past years. I I really like your future years, Morgan. Yeah, I think honestly, same. Like, (laughs) I don't mind some of my past, but like, you know, the future feels like it's going to be much better. Everyone knows that the future is all about years. Like, yeah, everyone knows. It's not it's not a it's not a secret. And you know what else? It's not a secret. What? What, Michael? That this is Baywatch Season 3, Episode 13, Island of Romance. Does it have to be? Could it be something else? I know I've used that joke before, but God, this episode. You know, Morgan, it could have been, but we didn't plan this far ahead enough. You know, That's so, true. Uh, it wasn't anything else. Yeah. It was just this. Um, maybe next time. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this is written <laughs> by Michael Burke. And Deborah Schwartz, not Douglas. And it was directed by the Tetragrammaton that is Gregory J. Bonin. Uh, aired, again, I put November, January. Um, <laughs> uh, aired January 11th, we're going to assume, 1993. Let's talk about some guest stars. Yay! Yay. Carrie Whitman plays Melinda. You may know her as Jennifer in Master Blaster. No, it's not the video game Blaster Master. This is the movie <laughs> Master Blaster. It's different. Oh boy. You see, they're reversed. It's uh, true. In Master Blaster, a paintball tournament goes from a fun, exciting weekend to an exercise in survival when someone starts killing the competitors. Oh, my shit. First, my first question is, what game of paintball has stakes enough where you need to start killing people? It's just fucking paintball. Right? She's also in a movie called Deadly Medicine, which I only bring up because because there's an actor in it named Alan Fudge. Ooh. And I think that's funny. It's very good. Uh-huh. It's a great name. I wish my name was Alan Fudge. Right. Uh, she plays Heather in the 1994 film Forced to Kill. Starring Michael Ironside and Baywatch alums Rance Howard, Mickey Jones, one of the hillbillies from season one, episode one, and Carl Ciarfalo, who played a henchman in Princess of Tides. It also features uh, Clint Howard, Rance's other son. So not wrong. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know he had another son until today, but. They I feel like I've heard the name Clint Howard before. Are you sure you just haven't met a dude, uh, met a dude named Clint? And just assume. It's very, it's very possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i never met a dude named Clint or anyone with the last name Howard, but I have to assume. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah, he was in Apollo 13. As what? Apollo? Or the number 14? <laughs> no, he was 13. Mm. Um, Cy Libergot. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Cy Libergot. I thought you said... 
Cyberga. Cy Cybergoth. <laughs> I was like, yo, oh. that's awesome. Cy Cybergoth is a very good name. He was also in Solo, which I actually kind of liked. I, I know like a lot Solo. of people didn't. Um, but he has 251 credits to his name. What? That's, so. that's more than that guy who played Mitch's dad in last week's episode. Yeah. That we totally didn't record one hour ago. What? Yeah, definitely never. not us. We would never do That's that. Not us. Uh, I like the idea of Cy Cybergoth being like a baseball player, and it's not Cy Young anymore. It's Cy Cybergoth. So it's just a dude dressed as <laughs> a Cybergoth pitching like insanely well. Uh, oh. If I fuck this up, John will tell me later if he listens to the episode. Like, Cy Young didn't do that. I'll be like, what did you expect from me, John? Uh, uh, thanks. Anyways, Tom Shanley plays Lucas. You may know him from the 1996 movie Savage, where after his family is murdered and he's left for dead, a farmer awakens in, in the desert and finds himself transformed into a savage warrior with all the powers and skills mm. of the ancient gods, guided by his definitely not racist term, Spirit Masters, he's given a mission. Destroy Titan Boy. Corporation, the world's most powerful high-tech computer company, and its ambitious leader, sure. Michael Burroughs, which seems too normal. Burroughs has yeah. discovered the technological remains of an ancient race and a secret that will hold God. That I, I I don't read these things before I copy and paste them. Uh, <laughs> that technological remains of an ancient race and a secret that will allow him to open the vortex and caps Ooh. and achieve immortality. Out in the desert, ancient powers collide with sophisticated technology as the savage and burrows meet in a titanic struggle that could destroy mankind. Do you think the vortex is related to a time storm at all? Ooh, ooh, I, I like to think so. I like to think uh, Josh <laughs> Kirby somewhere is out there stopping the vortex. God, I hope so. Um, Josh Kirby is the hero we need, not the hero we deserve. I so I recently I don't know if you saw I posted on Instagram this uh, post about how uh, this article titled uh, the when the world needed a hero, a hero. Instead, we got an anxious millennial cowboy. Um, it's about maybe the best storyline in pro wrestling going on right now about a cowboy who his whole storyline is that he drank a lot because he had no confidence and his friends told him he sucked. Hmm. And so he ruined his life, like physically yeah. and emotionally and would like self-deprecate all the time. And then he found a new set of friends who supported him. And he said, they can't they, they must be lying to me. No one would do that. And they kept on supporting him. And he was like, I got to leave. I don't understand this. So then he eventually realizes <laughs> that, oh, wow, these are real friends and they actually care about me. And he starts building confidence. And now he can finally face the guy who destroyed his confidence and told him he's the worst. And we'll see what happens Saturday. Maybe he'll win. Um, oh, boy. That's amazing because uh, that describes the millennial struggle right there. Uh, yeah, sure does. You know what else describes the millennial struggle? This episode? No. Uh, Tom Good. Tom Shanley has also <laughs> been in a number of Mel Gibson movies, like his oh. 2012 flick Get the Gringo, or the oh. 1997 Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts, and Patrick Stewart vehicle Conspiracy Theory, where Jerry Fletcher huh. is a man in love with a woman he observes from far. 
He is a taxi driver. She works for the government. Fletcher is an outspoken critic of that government. That government. <laughs> you know, that government. Boy. He has conspiracy theories for everything, from aliens to political assassinations. But soon, one of his theories finds itself to be accurate. But which one? Some dangerous people want him dead, and the only person he trusts is the woman he loves, but does not know. Sounds horrible. God. Yeah, it sounds real bad. got like 5.9 stars or something, which is like the same rating this episode gets. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Craig Stepp uh, plays Roger Lawrence. You may know him from the sixth episode 1993 TV series Eden, where... Eden is a popular resort owned by brothers Grant and Josh Sinclair. When Grant dies, his widow Eve must remarry to keep the resort. Grant and Eve's friend Murdoch soon arrives. This show follows there and the guest's sexcapades. Oh, I really hate the word sexcapades. Well, I'll tell you, Craig Sepp has been in a lot of things with sexcapades. A lot oh, of things. Boy. But also, he's been in Witchcraft 6, the sixth witchcraft movie where a serial killer kills only women wearing golden crosses. What? <laughs> Apparently, witches wear golden crosses, so he kills them. And then the police have to be like, we gotta find find these witches. Sure. Why? why witchcraft not? six. Uh, lastly, <laughs> we have Angela Visser, who plays Elkie. So, a few fun facts. Mm. She is from the Netherlands. She is... She was Miss Universe 1989. Uh, she'll be back in two seasons as a completely different character like this show is wont to do. Um, she is uh, honestly older than I thought, and it makes that tiny bit less creepy. Only a tiny bit. Um, because It's still pretty fucking it's creepy. It's very creepy. When I tell you that she was 27 at the time, it makes it a tiny bit less creepy. Because I thought she was like 20. Yeah. Yeah, she looks 20. Uh, So I was very happy to find out she was 27 and was a tiny bit less weird, but still weird. Uh, She was also a main character in a 90s TV show that lasted 95 episodes called USA High, where six friends, four Americans, a Brit and a German are enrolled by the enrolled at the American Academy of Paris boarding school in Paris, France, which is run by a stuffy English principal. So let me give you some context. All right. This episode on INDB has 112 ratings and it has a 5.9 rating. Uh, on I- wow. IMDb, Shark Derby is the top rated episode, which is completely wrong. Um, it should not yes. be Shark Derby. No. Uh, Shark Derby is trash. Uh, that has 216 ratings and it has a 7.1. Um, honest, there's so many better episodes of Baywatch than Shark Derby. Like, there's. Yeah. Episodes are actually good. Shark Derby is not. USA High's top-rated episode has 336 ratings, so more ratings than Shark Derby. And uh, the rating is a 9.3. Wow. That's episode 45 of the show. So guess uh, guess we've got our next show planned out. Uh, we have like 18 shows planned out, <laughs> including the shows, the, the other shows in our Baywatch series that we haven't gotten to. Uh, True. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, let me give you a little spoiler, everyone. Uh, if you listened to last week's episode, you probably heard our thoughts on this episode. Uh, this episode fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, fucking big time. So, Morgan, take us into this shithole. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. 
Uh, first off, Mitch and Stephanie are flirting a little on the beach. Uh, and then they have to leave. Um, and hope Mitch goes, Mitch goes home. Yeah. I, a lot of my notes, I did not take many notes for this episode because I mostly was just angry and yelling. Yeah, same. Um, I mean, I took notes, but I was angry and yelling. (laughs) Um... We get home and we discover that uh, Hobie has made an r- enormous mess and Mitch is mad and Hobie <laughs> has not done any of the chores it's, to an almost sitcom level. It's very funny because he's like head moshing, head thrashing to a comp to reading a comic book. And I'm like, no one's ever been yeah. that hardcore reading a comic book. Like also, Mitch to turn off the music just slaps one of the speakers, <laughs> and that's not how that works. No, no, that's like the Fonz. He's he's doing it like the Fonz would. Yeah, I love that. I do. I do like the idea of he just uh, slapping the radio, and then the radio going off. <laughs> just slapping the radio. <laughs> what a dilemma! Um, the music is too loud. I know. There is so much mess. My child likes comic books too much. What a dilemma! Oh, no. Um, and Mitch is like, I should, you you should do more chores. Well, and Obi's well, like, well, but I'm a kid. I should do kid stuff. Well, but before that, let's add to this dilemma. Let's add to this. Oh, yes. Mitch says, Hobie, did you start dinner? And Hobie says, yeah, dinner's in the kitchen. But it's just some hot dogs that haven't thawed yet. And they'll thaw in the microwave. Ha ha. Great. And then Hobie hasn't done the laundry yet either. It's all just packed up in the in the laundry room. Oh, no. Hobie says, I'm your son, not your wife. I come home after a hard day at school and I should be able to do kid stuff, not laundry. (laughs) Yeah, which I I mean, I kind of agree with to a degree to a point. point. um, But at this point, uh. We Mitch is like, well, in that case, I'm just going to have to hire a live in housekeeper so that you can keep being a kid. And Hobie's like, wait, I don't want to do that for reasons that are unclear to me. Um, he, he was and, I don't know if he didn't want to do it. He did do a spit take. I was like, wait, you agree with me? <laughs> I, I, I don't remember him not wanting to. I think I mean, he said it's going to be a nightmare just because. it's. Pro- I mean, it is. Uh, but yeah. I, okay, well maybe he does think it's going to be bad. Okay. It's just weird. Um, but yeah, then, uh, well, Mitch makes a call. And we get ourselves a... <laughs> Ghostbusters. A little montage. <laughs> you can see, you get a call. <laughs> so, for, for context, uh, for the listeners, uh, I watched this episode before, like, a a few, few minutes before Morgan... And so I texted, mm-hmm. nose goes, you get to describe this montage. So uh, I will tell you about the music after Morgan tells you in in depth about this montage. Uh, um, that is the amount of depth I would like to go into with this montage. Too bad. Um, but uh, yeah, so we uh, we get ourselves a montage of all the different housekeepers that Mitch is auditioning. Um, and I would just like to warn the audience right now uh, that this montage is very racist, mm-hmm. um, just like extremely fucking racist. Um, 
The first one is a fancy old man in a butler outfit who makes scones and tea. What would you? What um, do you think his name is? It's got to be something like. I mean, Jeeves is too cliche, but like, um, I don't know. It's got to be something like, um, oh, God, I want to say Gerald, but Gerald is too American for this. Um, I was thinking like uh, Jasper. Ooh, Jasper is a good name, but there's a different woman who is Mrs. Jasper. uh, Oh, yeah. In this montage. Um, I could definitely see him being like, um, he's Sir something. Um, but I just can't think Sir of Sir Nigel. Yeah, Nigel would be great. Um, Sir Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> Smashing. Um, Sir Nigel Thornberry of the Wild Thornberries? Um, God. Um, but then uh, we I mean, get that's a... that's based on, clearly. It was based on this, this scene from Baywatch. Absolutely. Um, but then uh, we get a Hispanic woman... Uh, whose cooking gives them both, uh, well, my notes say gives them both housekeeping, but that's not right. Um, gives them yeah. both heartburn. Um, not uh, even heart. I thought it was indigestion. Oh, maybe. They take Tums, and that's about the extent of uh. what we get. Um, and then we get a Japanese man who shows them a scroll and makes them sushi. <laughs> um, I was like, and then- this is... So racist, and that the the scroll part was like over the top racist. Where I thought, yeah. what? No, yeah, this is making me th- think of that uh, Tommy Wiseau quote where he talks about a new vehicle, a new project he has, and he says, "Yeah, it's great. We got a black and Asian, a pregnant." Uh, oh my god! <laughs> do you remember this? I or don't. Like, a, a pregnant, uh, a black oh, and Asian, god. a pregnant. And I just like that's basically what this scene is. It's it's treating everyone like that, including mm-hmm. like a pregnant. Like they don't have someone who's pregnant. They have a punk, not a pregnant. But uh, they do also have an old woman. Oh, they um, do. She's not yeah. pregnant though. True. Um, but yeah, going. next next we get an old woman who uh, I think is the one who cooks like Freddy Krueger's mom, which is not a thing. Um, and then Freddy Krueger's mom's got to be nice. I mean, she's I, not a monster. Freddy Krueger's the monster. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, Freddy Krueger was like, I murdered kids because my mother's <laughs> cooking. <laughs> that's not how the, that's not the lore of Freddy no. Krueger. Now, in fairness, I've never seen any of those movies, but he, um, he kills because he's a messed up person, not because of cooking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then then we get to see a punk woman who has a pink mohawk and dresses in black leather and makes them instant rice uh which i was like okay then we get a black woman who makes some delicious looking soul food that is just too spicy for them um and this montage goes on for goddamn ever um and it's so racist and it's so fucking shitty um and then finally mitch and hobie are collapsed on the couch as if all whoa, of whoa. this has happened in the same day. Um, and they whoa, talk whoa. about how the last man, the last woman is on her way, but she's 20 minutes late. Whoa, whoa. So before we go on, we need okay. to talk about the music here. So oh. in the original version, uh, based on my research, I can only assume that this is Around the World by the Weathermen. Um, and ah. I can only assume that based on the other songs in this episode, which are very distinctive, and we will get to, and are clearly not for this scene. Um, and uh, that song is a techno song. Oh. Uh, so imagine the sequence with, like, techno. 
that's very disturbing, um, but also makes it different. I don't know. But yeah. my version gets a song called Father's Son by J.R. Richards, which is, I wrote in my notes, instead I get Father's Son by J.R. Richards, which is not great, period. It's not great. But it's not great <laughs> twice. Uh, and here, Morgan, please give us this not great song. Oh, no. From the moment I could walk, from the moment I could talk, you showed me love and how to love the same. Will I be anything like you? I hope to God that I will. When I think back on everything, father and son, well, father and son, well, <laughs> now I know from how you raised me that you made me who I am. You showed me how to be kind and be strong when it's time. Above all, you gave me love. You gave me love. Will I be anything like you? I hope to God that I will when I think back on everything that you did so well. Now I know from what you gave me that you made me who I am. You showed me how to be kind and be strong when it is time. Above all, you gave me love. You gave me love. Oh, yeah, I forgot to copy that last E. <laughs> Let me edit this. Oh, now there's an E. Oh, uh, yeah, that boy. Song, that song is, is not necessarily great. No, it's it's not. Um, it's also, it feels like the meter is very weird. Yeah. Um, but I yes. haven't heard the song, so no, I don't know for sure. The meter sure. is weird. I specifically had to listen to it a few times to be like, Wait, is that a whole line? You show me how to be kind and be strong when it's time. Is that like a yeah. whole line or should that be in two? And I was like, no, no, it's it's sung all at once. OK, that's weird. Um, so very weird. But yes, they sit down and they take more Tums. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they uh, they say that the last woman is about 20 minutes late and then she shows up. And both Mitch and Hobie are very attracted to her right away. Um, and she cooks them what looks like the most boring white people food ever. Uh, and it's exactly what Mitch and Hobie wanted. And also, she got all of Hobie's homework right. But Mitch doesn't want to hire her because she's too distracting. Um, yeah, well, let's, let's be more specific. She's too fucking hot for him. Yes. That's the point. And he yes. says... She moves in here, I'll probably be dead in a week. Which, it's not like a Futurama snooze-snooze situation. I don't know why you would be dead in a week. You're just yeah. gonna have to hold on to your own penis, sir. Yeah. It's... Like, calm down. This episode is really fucking bad. In just, like, every possible way that a Baywatch episode can be bad. The um, next point, I think, specifically describes everything bad about this episode in one sentence. Which yeah. is... Hobie tells him not to judge her by her looks. I understand that irony here. Hobie describes job discrimination on a show that is also called Baywatch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very fun. Don't judge her by her looks. That would be job discrimination. May I point you to Baywatch? Right. Uh, so then they hire Elkie. Mm-hmm. Her name is Elkie. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they hire her, and it's, it's very... Um, she hugs him, and it's very... I 
I was like, oh, okay, like this is going to be bad, but I'm sure I'll be able to sit through this, right? No. Nope. Um, but yeah, then uh, then we see that there's a boat fire. So now it's time for a rescue. And Stephanie and CJ and the Coast Guard get everyone rescued and fucking no one on this boat that was on fire was wearing a life vest, even though they explicitly say that their kid cannot swim, um, which is just what the fuck is wrong with these parents. Um, but don't worry, it's fine. The Coast Guard rescues everyone. And also, they're all very hot. Um, so it's 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 funny. Sorry, I want to get back to the, the mm-hmm. family for a second. There's a part where they have like a before commercial part where this dude just kind of does a like uh, this weird jump off the boat where it looks like he's jumping into like a foam pit or something where he's just like, oh, uh, yeah, and it's just the boat explodes behind him. But he's just a normal person. So it's not a zoom in on him. It's like a zoom out. He's off to the side in like the weird rule of thirds. He's taking yeah. up like the smallest portion possible of the screen as this boat explodes. And he would look cool, but he also did a weird jump that looks like, I don't know, like half of his body gave out and then yeah. just like pounced. It's, it was very awkward. It was very funny to me. Yeah. Um, and dur- so during the, what the, the, the lifeguard, the coast guard rescue. Yes. They're all very hot. They come in and uh, they're trying to rescue the kid. And instead, one of the guys pulls Stephanie up and she has to go, no, 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 not me. I'm mm-hmm. a lifeguard. And so then they go down together and uh, you bet they do. Yeah, they do. Uh, I think <laughs> the best actor of this episode is the mom who is just very good at screaming. She's so oh, good yeah. at screaming. Like, wow, give her an Emmy. <laughs> that's what this show wants give her an emmy for best screaming mm-hmm. uh, then they do cpr real cpr and they all celebrate mm-hmm. and then uh, the coast guard immediately hit on stephanie and cj yes uh but it's okay because both of them stephanie and cj have the hots for these coast guards um but the only problem is cj wants a woman only weekend um so they they make it to their island and then we get a, <laughs> you know, you know, some people may call it a weekend, but we know what this truly is, Morgan. What? A sh- weekend. It's a she weekend. Oh, 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 God. Not to be confused with the uh, SNES JRPG, uh, the, the PS1 JRPG Suikoden. No, this is a sh- weekend. Mm, yes, of course. That was yeah. the confusion I had. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear that, are like, Wow, I love Suikoden 1 through 3. And I was like, no, don't. Yeah. Suikoden sucks. Suikoden, the, the problem with Suikoden is that it's a bad game. Because the <laughs> whole point of Suikoden, like the actual whole point is that you can recruit like 110 different characters for your six-party team. But only about eight of them do anything unique. So now you're just getting... A, like 110 people and the goal is like oh yeah you have to do these set of things to get recruit each person and you can speed run it you can do it all in a day and i'm like at that point it's just not fun i don't i want to be doing battles not talk to this person in a slow scrolling text box and then get them to be like yeah i'll join your team of six i'm like i i have a hundred something people and so then you put them all in a castle which i named the white castle 
because it is a white castle. Mm. And I think it's very funny to call a castle White Castle because then you can go get burgers. And so they're just all sitting around a castle <laughs> going, why won't he take me? Because you're the same as fucking Johnny over there. He also throws like pole arms at people. I don't need you. I got 45 Johnnies. Why would I want you? And that's the problem with Suikoden. It's true. The problem with Suikoden is 45 Johnnies. That's what I always say. You know, 45 Johnnies agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, CJ and Stephanie make it to the island. So, uh, well, it's time for them to do a little modeling for each other. Well, uh, some, at least in my version, slow orchestral music mixed with vaporwave synths and a lady yelling plays. Um, not words, okay. just kind of like, the not words part, but the wailing is kind of on point, and I will tell you why. So this okay. montage is very weird for Baywatch. It's uh, real weird. It's shot so weirdly. I, I don't even remember how it was shot. Uh, it was a lot of Dutch angles. Which are what? Uh, when the camera's at like a like 45 degree angle from the ground, like it's like rotated mm, uh, mm. a little bit. The vanilla ice shot. Got it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> cool as ice shot. Uh, uh, the music. So the music choice in this is not something I ever thought I would be saying was in an episode of Baywatch. Oh. Uh, which is uh, in the original they use Size Smell of Farewell by Cocteau Twins. Really? Uh, yeah. Cocteau Twins are not a band I would at all associate with. Oh. No. Yeah. It's like. Huh. Uh, it's it's like mid era a cocktail twins so they're full-on doing their like weird dream pop like i can't understand yeah. any of the word stuff yeah uh, and so my version gets like a cocktail twins knockoff uh, i called- now that now that you say that that was the original i definitely understand that that's what they were going for with this right um, because wailing un- incomprehensible vocals cocktail twins yeah yep um and so my version gets uh a a song titled something that, you know, could be a Cocteau Twins a song title, Subterranean Secret. Um, it's a good name. Now, uh, and this is by Doug Bossy and Tony Phillips. Now, so, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to have Morgan sing this song, um, <laughs> which, um, oh boy. Okay. Uh, Morgan, here you go. Please, sing it for us. All right. I want to remain, remain. I want to remain, remain. I want to be young. I want to be young. Fall beneath the leaves. Forever be our song. All the things to be young. Wait, they're never gone. I and he will be... I am victory, offering in my need, all in the wind for me. All it takes, lost with over, a keyhole forever when I am tired. (laughs) Often comes to the same or you'll never win. All the way will remain. All the way will remain. All the way will remain. I want to be young. I want to be young. Fall beneath the leaves will forever be our song. 
all the things to be young. Wait, they'll never die. Hmm. Ooh. No, no, you have to read that as hmm dot ooh, please. Hmm dot ooh. <laughs> all the things to be young. Oh, we are young. Nothing's wrong. This is uh, the most incomprehensible lyrics I have ever read. <laughs> uh, just I and he will be victory. I am he will be. I am victory. Offering my need all in the wind for me. All it takes lost with over a keyhole forever when I am tired. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, OK, what the in my mind. What they did was they listened to a Kato Twins th- song, but didn't look up the lyrics. So they wrote a song trying to write a song like trying to understand the lyrics of a Kato Twins song without looking up the lyrics. Yeah, a little bit. little bit. if you bit. listen to a Kato Twins song, you're like, none of this makes sense, except for like three words. Yeah. If you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, okay, that seems like a normal song. Mm-hmm. Um. But, uh, so yeah, we have this montage, and then all of a sudden a dude appears, yep. and he immediately hits on CJ, because as Mitch mentioned at the beginning of the episode, wherever CJ is, men are sure to follow, which, mm-hmm. thanks, Mitch. Uh, fuck, the the writing of this episode is so different. Mitch seems like a completely different person from last yeah. episode. I hate yeah. this. I, 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 I hate this episode. Um, but yeah, they they run into this guy, uh, and then we get to see Elkie uh, cleaning in some very short shorts, which the camera makes sure we are very aware of by slowly panning up her body. Uh, and Mitch literally runs into her, um, and she spills cleaning stuff all over his shirt. And Hobie's like, "Mitch is going out on a date." And I thought this was a fake date that Hobie was making up so that Mitch could cancel and seem right. like Elkie wanted to. G- I was. I no, really but, hated this episode. But Hobie was, in fact, cock blocking. <laughs> um, yeah. See, but, El- but what really made me mad, like I was mad and then I got really mad. Yes. Was, uh, I was running my notes live. Uh, and so live. Oh, my God. That's weird. Uh, so. Uh, Hobie says you'll be late for your date and then I wrote Elkie offers a perfectly normal response and then I had to undo the period I wrote there Uh and then say until she says he's worth waiting for and I was like oh fuck no no please don't do this oh no please don't have her hitting on him back no and then she starts scrubbing his shirt with a sponge that she was just <laughs> using to clean the top of the fridge. That, that's pretty funny, though. <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty funny. Uh, it, I just oh, I hate Mitch this says, why don't I just stay? And then she says she needs to be able to prove that she can take care of Hobie, Hobie. And then uh, Mitch chokes Hobie a tiny bit. And you know what? I hate it. I yeah. fucking hate it. It's bad. Um, it's very bad. But at this point, we go back to the beach don't Wait, say but because it's an and <laughs> yeah it's true um we find out that cj has the hots for clay who is the guy who just showed up uh and stephanie is real mad about this uh and cj introduces stephanie as her mom which felt kind whoa, of weird. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. we need to, the important line first which is uh stephanie says 
oh, I guess he mistook you for a mermaid. Oh, yeah. Clay walks up from behind and says, no, not a mermaid, a naiad. Which, yeah. shut the fuck up, dude. No one but me cares that you know mythology, <laughs> okay? <laughs> no one but me. Um, I up. I wish she was a Selkie. I think that would have made this episode much better. If he was a Selkie? No, if she was. If CJ is. I mean, if they were all Selkies, that would have been great. Yeah. Selkie watch? Ooh, oh, man. I would watch that show. Oh, man. Don't... Revealing that we're actually... What's the Selkie version of furry? <laughs> I think it's just called furry. <laughs> I think that's a, a cursed thought. What is the Selkie version of furry? <laughs> but then he asks that he can break their woman's weekend to have dinner with CJ. And Stephanie says, sorry, the water nymph is out of circulation this weekend. Like, Whoa, is, is this period humor? Uh, yeah, it's true. It's 1450s humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, at this point, a guy shows up on a Jeep, and he's real mad. Turns out his name is Roger, and Clay used to be in jail, and Roger is mad about this, and is also a fed, maybe? Um, he's a and, Coast Guard, he's not a fed, really. Yeah, right? but Clay, Clay says, you fucking, not fucking, but like, you, you fucking, fucking feds. Uh, yeah, put me away said, behind bars. Why would the Coast Guard be like, there's a, OK, so there's a jewelry robbery. Uh, and I'm like, why is the Coast Guard investigating a jewelry heist? Yeah, it seemed very dumb to me. Um, it, I did not understand. At the end of the episode, when there's jewels underwater. But I'm like, yeah. you don't have like a jewelry store. on. You don't have like. An Atlantic, an Atlantean jewelry store that's like underwater. You're like, oh, yes, my precious underwater ruby store. I shall go rob it. It's like, not, not if I, the Coast Guard, has any say about that. Mm-hmm. This episode was dumb, um, yeah. is basically what we're saying. Um, but yeah, it turns out five years ago, a jewelry show got robbed, and Roger thinks it was Clay, and then CJ is like, oh, wait, um, I did see Clay diving with a metal detector, which is all the evidence we need, because um, that's how that works. Um, but then Stephanie and CJ uh, talk about how CJ oh. has really oh. bad taste in men. Oh. Yes. Morgan. Yeah. I actually like us to do a little bit of Baywatch theater here. Oh. Okay. So I have some lines for you. I'd like you to play CJ, and I will play Stephanie. Okay? Sound good? Okay. Sure. Uh, Do you think your your all your years in theater helped train you for this moment? Uh, Almost certainly not. But Uh, okay. So uh, am I am I playing Stephanie or CJ? You're playing CJ. I'm playing Stephanie. Okay. So what do you think it is? You think it's just that dangerous men excite me? I mean, like, is it like I sense it and then it excites me? Or are they like little magnets pulling me to them? Well, CJ, I think it's time to demagnetize yourself. (sighs) I've tried, but you have to follow your heart. You know, in a way, I envy you. You what? Yeah, 
I don't know why I'm doing this voice. Yeah, brother. Yeah. I envy your ability, brother. Just to follow your instincts or gods and what logic dictates, you go for it. Hurt me, damn brother Jack. <laughs> well, the heart still hurts. I'm too trusting. Yeah, well, I'm not trusting enough. For once, I just wish that I'd be able to fall in love without overanalyzing the relationship. Well, for once, I wish that I could just fall in love without finding some thief and murderer to go out with. You know, it figures. I mean, here we are on a women-only weekend, and guess what? All we're talking about is men. Ha <laughs> Yeah, really. Which I do um, almost appreciate, and I don't think Baywatch was attempting to do this, uh, pointing out that I don't think any episode of this show has ever passed the Bechtel test. Oh, it has absolutely passed the Bechtel test. Are you sure? Because isn't the, the Bechtel test is it's you fail the Bechtel test if a woman never talks about or is only talking about men. You have they to have, have two two named women having a conversation about something other than a man. Yeah, Shawnee and Jill all the time. Oh, that's Summer, true. Summer and CJ have had these conversations as well. Like our yeah, main, I guess that's true. I guess all of that's our, true. All of our main women have passed the Bechdel test. Uh, you know, uh, CJ and and uh, and Stephanie have had it, uh, especially like about when they were like roommates. Um, there were parts. Oh, that's and true. Then, uh, Stephanie and Summer have had it. Uh, Gina has had it. I'm sure with somebody. Uh, yeah, I oh, guess they, I guess what we're saying is Baywatch is actually feminist. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it empowers women in a de- to a degree, but I don't think it's feminist. I think it's empowering <laughs> because it's showing women do, you know, the same things men can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just treated as like being able to do all the same things. They're not like, this is too hard for you. But uh, uh, is it feminist? Uh, like first wave feminism <laughs> like yeah someone in like like 1822 was like feminism and then they didn't <laughs> develop a second wave until like 1975 or something yeah and there's still a bunch of people on facebook who are like in their mid 30s or like man second wave feminism is where it's at and i'm like there's two more waves of feminism at least come on get with mm-hmm. it that was one of my favorite uh, insults. A friend of mine was really drunk at a bar, and he goes, look at her and her second wave feminism. Can't you understand? Can't you see all my waves? I'm two <laughs> waves above you. <laughs> I was like, yo, <laughs> yo, calm what? down. What the fuck? <laughs> I, like, he, wasn't, he wasn't wrong in terms of like where their ideologies was at, but what a weird way to say it. Yeah, I'm two waves above you. Well, that's for destrucity. Wow. Um, yeah, let's see. After that, uh, Mitch and Linda are back from their date and they start making out when Linda gets mad that Elkie is hot. So she leaves and Mitch is like, she's my housekeeper. And Linda's like, sure, she is. What the fuck did she think was going on? I hate this so much. It's so this is, stupid. This is the part of the episode where I turned it off the first time I watched it, and I said, I can't do this. Like, yeah. This is too horrible. Like, 
My yeah. eyes rolled so far out their head, I could not stand to live anymore. It um, felt like the setup to a bad porn scene. It did. Like, it did. It absolutely did. Like, okay, why doesn't Melinda believe that it could be a housekeeper? Like, yeah. he owns a house, and he's clearly got money. Right. He's Our a single dad. not allowed to be attractive? Like, what What the fuck? Well, and look, she, she's just too hot to be a housekeeper. That's clearly what she's saying. And if her and Mitch were, like, involved, I assume we're not supposed to think this is some, like, weird poly thing where, like, they're okay with not telling potential new partners. Like, why would she, why would Elkie not give a shit? What? what? Morgan, this is 1992, oh, 93. The only poly people are Mormons. Yeah, and swingers. And swingers. Mormon um, swingers. Yeah. Um, the part that, like, doesn't help, which also is so lazily written, is Elkie saying, I'm here to take care of all of Mitch's needs. Yeah. And then Mitch goes, come on. Um, yeah. Like, this This is the moment where someone were to, in, like, many years, come back and look at my notes and be like, whoa, this is, like, an archive of information about the show. <laughs> they would look at this episode and be like, wow, this guy really didn't like this TV show. And I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, and this moment, I fucking hate this TV show. Yeah. Uh, but because, don't worry, this scene gets worse. Oh, yeah, it does. Because after Linda leaves, uh... Mitch and Elkie flirt a bunch, and Mitch tells her that she's too beautiful to be a housekeeper, and then Hobie is mad that Mitch is so horny for Elkie, um, and, and it was bad, and I hated it. Um, there's, the worst part is, is he tells her she's so hot, and then she Mm -hmm. says it's hard for her to think of him as, as his employer. Oh, God, yeah. And I I blocked that exchange out from my brain because it hurt too much. And he gets the stupid grin on his face, and Hobie immediately runs down and says, she's supposed to work for us. Mm -hmm. And, like... I kept on writing, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And Mitch pulls, like, a Tommy Wiseau, oh, you know, the music, the fireplace. Like, maybe Tommy Wiseau was copying the scene at Baywatch, but forgot to include <laughs> everything when he said, the the, you know, the candles, the music, the sexy dress. Anyways, uh, they clearly are super into each other, and but it's not going to work. So Mitch says, mm-hmm. it's a good idea, they just get a good night's sleep. And then... Yep. We cut to just, God, so much shitty, pointless montage. So fucking much diving footage. It takes forever. It's beautiful, but I don't care. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Clay is diving for the jewelry safe. CJ and Stephanie are diving too, and eventually they find the cave. Um, This goes on for like three minutes. Those two sentences. Um, And then CJ and Stephanie set up their waterproof camera on a timer. And just as it goes off, they can take a selfie. Yes. More importantly, CJ and Stephanie get stuck in the same cave that Craig and Court got stuck in when they thought they were going to die at the end of season one. That's my joke. But basically, yeah. Basically, it's that. It's the same fucking cave. Everybody's getting stuck in the same fucking cave Mm -hmm. with no air pocket. Like, okay, remember how I said last episode 
which I only remember because we recorded it maybe an hour ago, <laughs> that summer going up to the water and being afraid of the water was okay because, like, yeah, this may happen in their line of work because they're lifeguards. Sure. You know what shouldn't happen in your line of work because you're a lifeguard? Everybody getting fucking stuck in a cave where there's no air. Yeah. Stop going into fucking caves. Like, yeah. Look, stop. And why are there, like, last time it wasn't dynamite. It was, like, uh, a rumbling of a, of a giant claw grab machine yeah. by uh, a tyrannical corporation. But this God, what dynamite. a weird episode that was. That was so weird. Um, um, but yeah, but, the, the reason they get trapped in this cave is because as their uh, selfie camera goes off, Clay has been setting explosives to free the jewelry safe, and they go off, and there's a big cave-in, and they're trapped. Um, and then Clay finds the safe, and then my note is, like we were saying, this is just the end of season one. Like... Yeah, there are there was a point where I wrote there are 10 minutes left of this episode and two yeah. of them are dedicated to credits. Yeah, and they cannot find an exit to the cave. What is going to happen in these eight minutes? Right. I cannot predict and not like in a good way. No, I'm just like I'm bored. And so the Coast Guard comes. Oh, mm-hmm. now we're going to see there's a chest underwater with the. No, what what happens is they're like. Oh, well, uh, they've been under too long based on the dive log. Let's go save them. Whoa, mm-hmm. this defies regulations. Well, we have personal gear. Can we do that? Sounds good to me. You guys want to get horny? You want to get your schlong on? You want to get your schlong <laughs> on the dong ton? Yeah, oh, go for it. God. Schlong on the dong ton. Um, and uh, they're Inside like. Inside a ton ton. <laughs> we're not even saying words anymore. Um, <laughs> I taught people yesterday. Yesterday, earlier this week, uh, about jizz music, and they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> Michael, what are you talking about?" I'm like, "Do you not know jizz music? Isn't like, everyone a fan of Max Rebo? Come on!" <laughs> I mean, I, I would assume so. These are people where I was like, "You seem like nerds," and yeah. they're like, "Well, what the fuck is jizz music? Why are you that? That's a non sequitur." I'm like, "It's not a non sequitur. It's the music that they play in the cantina in Star Wars. Yeah. called jizz. And they're like, Canonically, it is jizz music. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's not. I'm like, do you really think that I would lie about George Lucas calling something jizz? And they're like, actually, yeah, okay, that's See, here's here's the thing. George Lucas is actually a very bad writer. Yes. Um, And he was just lucky enough in the first few movies that he had people to rein him the fuck in. Lawrence um, Kasdan mostly. Yeah. Uh and and wasn't his wife like his editor for a while? What? Um Wait, did his wife die? Well, no, they broke up. Oh. Yeah, that's why the prequel sucked right there. Yeah. I mean it was definitely part of it in my opinion. Um I could be wrong about that, but I'm I'm fairly certain that like his ex wife was his editor. Um, you know and, why the, the 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 prequels are bad? It's because there wasn't sand everywhere. It's true. It's true because it's coarse and irritating, and it gets everywhere. But coarse um, and irritating is what sets the tone for the original series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, once uh, the Coast Guard starts going down, we learn that CJ is out of air, so she has abandoned her air tank. Uh, so Stephanie is going to go investigate some more and see if she can find a way out. Um, and then we see that the rescue divers are here to give Stephanie air, so she breathes a bunch. And I definitely thought that what was going to happen, because this episode was written by uh, Burke and Schwartz, 
is that Stephanie was going to take a big breath of rescue air and then go uh, CPR it into CJ's mouth. Um, but thankfully, we don't get that scene um, because it would have been bad. I, and yeah, I very male gazy. I, I, I don't think they've gone that horny yet. I don't know. I would argue that <laughs> the rest of this episode is that level of horny. I mean, um, it kind of is. Yeah. Um, but the rescue divers wrap a big rope around the big rock and use a boat to pull it away. Um, CJ is very briefly unconscious, but is completely fine. So they all swim free. And then CJ flirts with the divers. Um, yeah, they, they get all real flirty about finding treasure and the treasure is the hot men and women and it, they get to keep the treasure. Um, yeah. yeah, it was bad. I hated yeah. it. It was, I hated it. Yes. Um, but then we see Hobie and Elkie taking uh, a bike ride to the beach so that Elkie can meet up with Mitch. And Elkie is like, what if I just come live with you as a date? And Mitch is like, well, don't worry. I've decided not to hire any housekeeper at all. She doesn't say, what if I live with you as a date? That doesn't. Doesn't she? She said something. I By this point in the episode, I was too mad at the episode to really pay attention to it. I hyper-focused in my anger. <laughs> um, and so what happens is that Mitch says he can't hire a housekeeper. He realizes how, how important it is for him and Hobie to take care of themselves. It's nothing right. personal. And she says that she wants to continue to work as a housekeeper. Uh, right. Uh, but she also likes being outside. And he goes, why would you want to be work as a housekeeper? You can do other things. Uh, and <laughs> he says, because it makes me happy. And he goes, oh. Well, I wasn't expecting that answer. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, who who fucking wrote this? Why would you write this shit? It's so bad. Uh, so then then they're walking along the beach, Mitch and Mitch and Hobie, and Mitch mm-hmm. says, I won't miss her. And he, he goes, You won't miss her? Yeah, I won't miss her. You won't miss her? Yeah, I won't miss her. Why won't you miss her? Well, I won't miss her. Okay, well, why won't you miss her? Well, she's having dinner with us tonight, and then she's going on a date with me. And uh, okay. I we get mm-hmm was just ready to throw something when Mitch was like, don't worry, I am actually dating her. I just was like, if there weren't literally five seconds left in this episode, I would just get up and pause the episode and go scream somewhere. I hated this so much that Mitch gets fucking rewarded at the end of the episode for how fucking creepy he has been this entire episode. Yeah. Well, it, it, creepy... Him and the writers, um, mm-hmm. they shouldn't reward him. But we do get the actual only good scene in this episode, which is Mitch and Hobie fooling around and having fun with each other. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's it. Morgan, on a scale of one to ten, where um, one is love is dead, and ten is discovering that you have a gold prospecting for your uncle who left you a gold boot in his will. What would you rate this episode? I'm giving this episode a one. Um, this episode was on par with the worst of season two, which I thought we had left behind. It's got a super fucking racist montage that seems to exist purely for the purpose of being racist. Um, it's weird and creepy and sexist. It's none of the plot lines are any good. It completely diminishes Stephanie and CJ's character. Um, the, all of the plot lines that weren't just like, 
what if everyone was horny or pointless and stupid? I really fucking hated this episode. Um, and so, yeah, I am giving this episode a one. Uh, and I am going to say that a one is the experience of uh, being hired as a housekeeper to a man who is considerably older than you. And it turns out that the real reason he did it is because he's fucking horny for you and he's just going to be a creep the entire time you're working for him. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's my rating of this episode. What if he's like a sugar daddy and a consensual sugar daddy? I mean, I've got no problem with that. That's fine with me. Um, yeah. Just creepily hitting on your live-in employee is fucking skeezy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Michael, how about how about you? What's your rating? Well, first, let me tell you that this episode's rated higher than the last one on IMDb. Fucking seriously? By by point one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still, it shouldn't be. No, I mean it absolutely shouldn't be, but. Like, uh, this is a 5.9, and the last one was a 5.8, uh, yeah. uh, which is wild. Um, I'm going to rate this a 1 as well. Um, it's not a 0, um, because, well, I, I've seen more racism and worse stuff from this show. Yes. So it can't be a 0. Uh, but it is enough to warrant a 1. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And I'm like, look. I fucking hated this. I could not stand this episode. Mm-hmm. When people talk to me about, like, how do you stand watching this show? It's because most episodes are not like this. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe aren't. I don't know. This is the stuff that I think people think of when they watch Baywatch. This episode fucking sucks ass. It's so uh, bad. I, I hate this episode. I, I'm glad you you might be listening to us instead of watching it. Because yeah. Because I don't watch it. Um. A one is, do you know all the stuff that's happened with Aaron Rodgers recently? I know, know that I know that shit has happened, but that's the extent of my knowledge. Like, so I don't even know happened. what the shit is, just that something Do you know happened. who he is? He's a baseball player? Nope. Football quarterback. Best oh, football okay. quarterback around right now. Gotcha. And so the NFL requires for press events for you to be vaccinated. And so they asked him, this is a few weeks ago, they asked him, are you vaccinated? And he said, yes, I'm immunized. Mm, Don't Uh, love that. So then they found out. So uh, it turns out he was he wasn't vaccinated. uh, And uh, he maybe was like lying about covid records, about his vaccine records. Wow. So he went to a homeopath Mm. and used water treatments to help raise his antibody levels and then tried uh, to convince the NFL, like, hey, will you accept this as vaccination? And they said, ha, no, uh, absolutely not, because <laughs> like it doesn't count. And they're like, OK, it's and not then he medicine. Got, like <laughs> then they got he got covid. And so they're like, wow, uh, shocking. Yeah. And so we've been at these press events, not vaccinated, which are like probably they're, mm-hmm. they're small rooms, not well ventilated. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he went on the Pat McAfee show and went on this absolutely crazy tirade where he said things like he wrote a 500 page dissertation on anti mask rhetoric and submitted it to the NFL. And they said, we're not mm. reading this. We don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, um, and he said stuff about how uh, when he got covid, uh, 
he decided to talk to a good friend of his, Joe Rogan. Oh, and God. Followed a bunch of the stuff Joe Rogan advised, like taking ivermectin. And Joe Rogan footed his medical bill, um, which you wouldn't have had one if you had just gotten the vaccine. It would have been free and subsidized. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says things like, uh, no, I am not flat earth. Um, which thank you for needing <laughs> to clarify that. Right. <laughs> which wild. Um, uh, he just, he said all of these like things about, you know, like the NFL sent a stooge over to make sure that they're vaccinated and shamed, shamed them for being the 19th least vaccinated team in the league. Uh, that does sound like a thing worth shaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I think I agree with the NFL there if they did that. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, how, how dare they do that? Uh, and, yeah, and he's saying, well, it's not about conservatives, it's not about uh, liberals, it's not about Republicans or Democrats. Mm, Both sides sure. fuck themselves. But it's about, like, my body, my choice. Then he compares himself Fuck to MLK. Off. Oh my god! <laughs> and he oh my does god! He does an MLK quote and uh, to like support freedom of body choice. Oh, and he's like, you know, I'm off. like MLK in that, and I'm like, no, you aren't. And the whole time, Pat McAfee is like having to cover his face because he's like laughing so hard. He's like, this dude is fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, so. um... So, yeah, it's, so it's absolutely like absolutely wild uh, interview. Right. Um, and so people were asking for him to be pulled from the State Farm commercials because he is of State Farm. He's in all these State Farm commercials. And they said no, um, because they said, look, we, we like I know our employees have, uh, you know, COVID requirements, but not our but not our like uh, our commercial representatives. Um, they They should have freedom of choice. So. No. Um, now, also, I should add, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers' family has disowned him. Uh, and <laughs> uh, do you know who he's married to? No, I don't. Do you know who Shalene Woodley is? No. She's an actress. She's been in, uh, okay, let's see. Wait. I can't spell her name because her name is Shalene. Um, let's see. So, Shalene. Uh, God, I can't even pronounce her name. Uh, she was in The Descendants, The Spectacular Now, uh, The Fault in Our Stars. I haven't uh, seen any of these. She was in Snowden, uh, Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, White Bird in a Blizzard, which I've seen her in. She's been in a bunch of movies. Point is, so she's crazy. So she's uh, gone on record saying things that, like, she sun dries her labia. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, she also, uh, if you ever look up uh, Shirlene Woodley clay diet, she explains that she eats clay because she believes it binds to other materials in your body and helps you excrete those materials that are not necessarily the best for you, like toxins and heavy metals and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. She also says she enjoys food that are semi-rotten. Um, I uh, mean, I also, I also do in that I like things like sauerkraut and kimchi and beer but somehow i suspect that is not what she is talking about 
Yeah. Uh, well, she says kimchi, kombucha, and sauerkraut are a staple of her diet, among other things. I'm worried what the other things are. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, she says that she first heard the benefits of eating clay from a taxi driver uh, from Africa. And he was saying that where he's from, sure. the women eat clay when they're pregnant. Seriously, ask your taxi drivers where they're from and their customs, and you will learn a lot. Uh, I mean, I don't doubt that that's true, but I also would not take medical advice from them. Yeah. Another article from Shalene Woodley is every morning before every morning when Shalene Woodley wakes up, she just screams very loudly. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, that's very good. That's that's insanely funny. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is Chrissy Teigen's night eggs level of like yeah it's a oh, second it's so good the second I wake up I scream very loudly then I also scream <laughs> good morning good morning and then I scream out exciting day exciting day God can you imagine being married to her and having to deal with that every morning yeah oh she also God. does morning every morning she does affirmations but she does it in sign language. And she says, people are like, what is this girl doing these avatar dance moves for? Do they? (laughs) Um, Has anyone ever said that to you? Because I doubt it. No. Then she also says that she uh, regularly eats mugwort. um, Sure. um, Because it helps her with lucid dreaming. I, I did get really into the lucid dreaming community for a while as a teenager. Um, and I do remember hearing that that was like a thing that was supposed to work. I've never been able to lucid dream, but I really wanted to. Yeah. The last thing I want to tell you about from her is that she's really sure. big on oil pulling. Do you mm-hmm. know what oil pulling is? Uh, it's It like pulls the quote unquote toxins out of your skin via like letting oil harden on your body and then you pull it off, right? Or something like that. She says it's where you swish oil in your mouth when you wake up and then right. spit it out. Right, right, right. Yes. Um, and so she's just into a lot of... Yeah. You know what? Actually, Morgan, here, I need you to read a quote here. Oh, okay. Um, here, let me, let me separate this so you're not actually reading a line from CJ. Please read this. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Another thing I like to do is give my vagina a little vitamin D. I was reading an article written by an herbalist I studied about yeast infections and other genital issues. She said there's nothing better than vitamin D. If you're feeling depleted, go in the sun for an hour and see how much energy you get. Or if you live in a place that has heavy winters, when the sun finally comes out, spread your legs and get some sunshine. This is the fucking butthole sunning all over again. <laughs> the butthole sunning, you know, just a thing I regularly like to say. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's my favorite, uh, God, what is that, Oasis, who does uh, butthole sun? No, Black um, Hole Sun, that's, that's, yes, that's, I, that's I not Oasis, that is, is it Soundgarden. Muse? Soundgarden. They're all the same fucking band. No, they're not. Soundgarden's American grunge. Oasis is Britpop. They're diametrically opposed. <laughs> they're, the whole point of Britpop was like, we fucking hate grunge and Americans. Let's make this thing. Fair. I went on a recent rant that was like, 
Uh, I know nobody asked, but I'm going to go on a rant anyways, which is usually how most conversations I start start. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I'm going to tell you my thoughts on every single Britpop band ever. Go. And a bunch of people were like, wow, you really have some thoughts. And I said, I told you I did. That's it. That's the story. Anyways, um, I want to read you some review. Oh, so uh, my rating is a one and a one is Aaron Rodgers. Um, so uh, <laughs> now I'm going to read you some IMDb reviews. Uh, a new user, Dios Prometheus, gave this a one out of ten and said, insulting episode. Mitch goes on the hunt to find a cook and housekeeper. In the process, Mitch insults every ethnic food there ever was, from Mexican to Japanese. And when a lovely housekeeper shows up, he only has eyes for her and not her cooking, so he acts like a jerk. Oh, wait, he already did that when he was eating the soul food in Tex-Mex. Um, uh, Bomber Sly Up gives it a 2 out of 10, says, So super nice guy Mitch has the girls punning for him and a new girl every episode, but never breaks it off with any of them, and they disappear convenient. Then... Sandcrab722 gives it a 10 out of 10 and says, Wow. Fajita's keeping it tight. This is the uh, untethered one. Um, He says, Bjuk Jr. a pig makes Pops hire Sex Bomb and then gets pissed (laughs) when Sex Bomb is sweet on Pops. Women only weekend ruined by men who are yappy AF and have endless petty issues, re gem ownership. Um, which Mm. I wouldn't Mm. classify gem ownership as like the way I would phrase that, but okay. Yeah, no. Um, two out of three people found that helpful. (laughs) I would not be one of those people. I am the third person who did not find that helpful. I'm just gonna let you know. Yeah, um, that was me. Um, yeah, that episode, uh, that episode sucked. Uh, but would you like to know yeah. about our next episode? Yes, please. So I did cheat a little bit and read a little summary of the next episode. And I'm, oh boy, am I excited. Really? Uh, because it has Michael Burke's wife again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anyways, this is Strangers Among Us. A diamond smuggler looks for his loot he has hidden in one of Slade's surfboards, which makes no sense. And a group searching for extraterrestrials drives the lifeguards crazy. Meanwhile, Summer finds herself falling in love with Jimmy. Okay, now the IMDb description. A group of frantic UFO experts led by the attractive Dr. Faye Taylor, which is Michael Burke's wife. Of course, I'm going to call her the attractive. Arrive at Baywatch mm-hmm. and set up monitoring equipment on the beach in the expectation of an arrival by extraterrestrials arising from the ocean, much to Mitch and Stephanie's chagrin. Well, Hobie and CJ join in on the activities. Meanwhile, surfer Jimmy Slade arrives back at Baywatch after a surfing competition in South Africa to rekindle his romance with Summer. Why would you come back? Anyways... Unaware that one of his three surfboards are valuable diamonds that a couple of ruthless smugglers want. How does that work? How do you smuggle diamonds into a surfboard? What does that mean? How would that surfboard even work? Wouldn't it just be way too heavy? Like, what is, what does that mean? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, Uh, Yeah. I I have no clue. Sounds like at least it's going to be a fucking weird episode, which we haven't had in a while, and I am kind of excited for. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, that's that's the best part of Baywatch when it's weird or when it's sweet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Listen, once in a while, this show is good. And then they remind us what they could do to us if they wanted by writing this fucking episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any uh, any final thoughts on this year episode, Michael? Or are you ready to uh, I, for us to take please, this bad boy out? Please, people, don't watch this episode. God, don't. Don't bother. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah, just don't. Um, but thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrapp. I am at Snotsnit. S-N-O-T. S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, stereotypes of people is not representation. It's just fucking racist. And you don't need a whole montage of just fucking shitty basic stereotypes. I really hated this episode so much. And fingertips. (laughs) 